Value Finance, the podcast that helps you understand the transformative developments taking place in the world today. We are very excited to have an outstanding group of leaders across digital retail finance and financial technology uh, from Vietnamese banking and finance sector to discuss the future of the industry as we make the transition to what uh, we just described, the next normal, uh, which is digital uh, post-COVID-19, and debate how Vietnam's, you know, uh, the state bank has allowed new KYC uh, measures to be implemented, uh, has allowed new players, new digital players uh, that will challenge incumbent players, and who will win in the digital first era when everyone uh, is digital or everyone will become digital. In this session, we will explore how both traditional and new players embrace their inevitable change to be fully functioning digital players and equip themselves with the right strategies and capabilities to win. Helping us to kickstart this virtual debate, our guest panelists who have huddled beforehand to help frame the discussions. Let me have the pleasure to introduce our panelists. Mr. Lee Swan Vu, member of Board of Directors and Head of Retail Banking, MDBank. Mr. Dean Van Chien, Deputy CEO and Head of Retail, TP Bank. Mr. Kassin Wong Kok Seng, CIO, BP Bank. Mr. Brian Carroll, CEO, Tinex Digital Bank. Mr. Gunit Singh, Head of Product Payments and Customer Engagement, UBank. Mr. Kanish Yupayah, Head of Payment Solution, Retail Banking Group, Techcom Bank. And finally, Mr. Rihit Dutta, Regional Director, ASEAN and Southeast Asia Bank Base. What is driving each of your institution's digital strategy and leadership priorities now that we are all going digital? How to optimize customer journey by integrating a seamless experience and a customer-centric ecosystem? How should we rethink collaboration using APIs and open banking, as well as accelerate innovation through collaboration with fintechs? The first topic, what is driving each of your institution's digital strategy and leadership priorities? We know that among you, there are the incumbent banks, Right, and you are aggressively uh, transforming to digital. And also we have new digital banks. We know that COVID-19 has been a, a catalyst and accelerant of change. How do you respond to the pace of change as well as the entry of new players, competition, and the impact on the competitive landscape, as well as you know, unfo unforeseen crisis events such as COVID-19? How do you prepare for emerging risk from that is uh, a, a, a tendon risk of digitization like data leaks, data theft, cyber fraud, and security breaches to, un to ensure operational resilience. Now, uh, we'd like to first hear from our incumbent banks, the likes of TP Bank, MB Bank, BP Bank, who have done quite outstanding things in transforming yourselves into digital institutions. I'd like to first call on um, TP Bank's uh, Mr. Chen to uh, give us an insight into your digital strategy. Uh, the last two years uh, it's, it's, uh, has been a good time for us to accelerate the, the digital strategy, the transformation, and then 
the innovation in the digital space. Uh, what drivers? Uh, I think uh, clearly we can see from the market is the consumer changing. Right? The consumer behavior has changed a lot. I mean, if we compare um, five, six years ago, it's changed a lot. And that uh, really the one that drivers to uh, uh, step up in terms of digital transformation uh, from offering uh, the new product, uh, find a new way to, uh, to provide the services to the customer, and also um, making sure that we can improve the business performance uh, from the bank perspective. Uh, the second thing I think would drive uh, our digital strategy is the uh, the uh, technology. So in advance of the technology, I mean, we see now that it's very uh, different. In the past, we say, okay, moving from internet and then to mobile, that's a big change. But now, based on that kind of movement into internet and mobile, uh, a lot of new technology, whether it's AI or it's um, blockchains or new things like that, right, it's happening every day. And then um, it allows us to do more things uh, and uh, better in a better way to our consumer. Thank you, Mr. Chen. Yes, a uh, critical uh, part of digital transformation is digital leadership and, and uh, to have it driven from the top. MB Bank that is also uh, doing a lot on the digital front and working with its partners, um, technology, but also in terms of uh, creating a, a whole new, more exciting brand as well. So, so we'd like to call Mr. Le from MB Bank about uh, the digital uh, priorities that is driving. Uh, that's on your agenda. We buy in a lot of partners, uh, technology partner, business partner to have us to build the charities last uh, three years. And we, we signed the strategic partner with the IBM for two years full support with us to create the outfit and build architecture and uh, doing a lot of things in terms of business transform and technology, the new technology applied to, to our model. So, uh, we we very focused in terms of uh, how to uh, acquire more customer because we all think about the customer. Customer now the the chain of customer change uh, rapidly in terms of COVID, in terms of new way for doing business and doing uh, banking service. So it's one way can help the bank and customer uh, read uh, together more closely. Uh, so in our digital transformation, we create, we call, we try to call the smart transformation. It means that the smart means it, everything needs quickly. Customer needs buying and do the service quickly, more convenient, and uh, doing a lot of things beyond the banking service. We measure the uh, outcome from the digital for example, one million digital customer on board uh, successfully on the first quarter, and also for revenue, we uh, create the revenue three times compared with last uh, the quarter last year. So the first stage uh, is quite happy with the results, but we have a lot of things to do for uh, make the customer happy and serve them more product and service. We we see in terms of the um, the, the effort that has been put into onboarding new digital uh, clients, you know, that is part of the whole move towards digital. A lot of customers are being onboarded digitally. Um, now, next, I, I would like to get a perspective 
from one of the new digital banks, and I'd like to call on uh, Mr. Carroll of Tnex to give us a perspective as well. The Vietnamese market is is still relatively uh, untapped, right? There's still a lot of underserved customers, uh, but there are a lot of incumbent banks that have you know, uh, jumped onto the digital uh, bandwagon, so to speak. Uh, how are you uh, are working to uh, onboard customers? How are you uh, creating a differentiation uh, for yourself? From a strategy perspective, we don't have we digital is not a strategy. It's what we do. We don't have a technical debt. I've been in banking close on thirty years now, and I've worked in everything from fintech, VC, and, and traditional banks. And I don't envy what I see. Well, you know what the banks have to do here, and banks advise across the world have to do to deal with moving from a pre-digital to a digital. So, but it's great to see. Ask me about the market. I think it's really, really interesting and exciting. I've seen what MB have done, and we should be very proud. Uh, it's really, really excellent work. We see what Techcom are doing, VP. So everyone is really moving. But I suppose my comment on the market um, is the misuse of transformation is, is a problem. And it's not that word is being misused, unfortunately. Um, there's this whole mix up between optimization and transformation. And perhaps if I develop that a little bit more, transformation, um, you see some of it being done by MB and, and, and by Ubank and Cake and ourselves. Transformation is about identifying new lines of value, new value propositions and executing them in a digital way. Whereas optimization is faster horses. Now there's lots of money in faster horses, but that links me to my next point. Vietnam is dramatically unbanked. We know that or underbanked. Like at a best guess, we're looking at underserved population of 58 million people. Um, but on the other hand, as you said earlier, a digitally obsessed nation. It's a young nation, as you said. It's what, 80% under 52. And where we work is obviously in the Gen Z part of that, which, you know, it's startling to think. Um, I'm feeling very old, but by 2025, 25% of the working population of Vietnam is going to be these Gen Zillas, these Gen Zs. Okay. I suppose my other observation on the market is like, we're all very proud. I'm very proud of you know, being part of this journey of Vietnam and seeing what's happening to, to the industry. But the issue is banking's too expensive, too hidden with sneaky stuff. And this isn't just in Vietnam, this is all over the world. It's too much concentrated on NIM which isn't a bad thing. Okay, oh, I'm, I've got a balance sheet that could do with a bit of net interest margin at the moment. Um, and it's not what our customers want. So um, we're very much focused on Gen Z and removing those barriers for the customers. And you know, we all know, you know, every management consultancy company will overcharge you to tell you you should be working on SMEs and, and Gen Z in, in Southeast Asia. Great, save the money, we all know. Um, Banks currently cannot service them because the technical debt is too high. You know, branches, there's an inherent inbuilt cost in traditional banking that has to be served because we have to make a profit. We have to represent our shareholders. And banks, if they transform, they need to understand that they need to move to a cost of ownership of a customer model that is unheard of. Cost income ratios in a digital bank start in the 20s at scale, they don't start in the 50s or whatever we decide to put on our, uh, our company reports. So 
That involves a massive deployment of a target digital operating model, massive uses of AI, modularity, cloud, et cetera. We all know these and, and, and many people on this call much better than me. And that's difficult and that's difficult. But in Teenex, we had no technical debt. Uh, we built a end-to-end -to, -end to banks in nine months uh, from core front. We also built the third bank, which we will be announcing, which is our open bank with our first two customers. So all of it is API. Um, all of it is data-driven. Our cost of ownership at 3 million customers when we get there is $1. So I only need to make $1 or one cent. The number of people we need to run 3 million customers and that on both assets and liabilities is 141 FTE. So these statistics that I'm quoting are absolutely completely unattainable unless traditional banks transform. And to transform, the last comment is, guys, it's not technology. And I'll meet anyone around here and I'll show you a template how to build a digital bank. It's not about that because the likes of Amazon, Google, open source and FinTech have democratized this now. You know, we can put these banks in quickly. The biggest problem we have is culture. And, you know, Drucker, the, my two favorite people on this topic are Drucker. We all know Drucker, culture eats strategy for breakfast, but also um, uh, in reality, a mathematician whose name has just flipped out of my mind, we're all destined to produce solutions that mirror our communication structures, okay? So banks need to break down the barriers in the brains. And I think the most important thing to transform or deleverage from a balance sheet, if you want to be a successful digital bank, is, called, is get rid of the old culture. And that's very, very difficult. And it doesn't start now with a digital factory. That's a lot of theater. It starts with leadership. And if we can get the leadership right, Vietnam is going to be one amazing digital economy in the next five years. You really fire up the, the, the discussion and I'd like to get some responses there. Um, are the incumbents really transforming or are you just getting faster horses? Maybe uh, Mr. Wong, uh, who's looking after technology at BP Bank. When you inherit a, a brownfield environment, you have a lot of legacy to deal with. And one of the key challenges I can tell you, frankly, is how do we then um, ensure, you know, all the nice and snazzy things that we can roll out. We will always be there. We will always be championing that, those areas. Uh, but the challenge for us is really how do we make it stable, secure, and simple to use. Because you have a, 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 a wide spectrum of users, different different capabilities, different different uh, backgrounds and stuff like that. So, so it's important for us from our strategy perspective is, is as long as you keep it simple, you make it uh, stable and you make it secure, you will naturally gravitate a lot of people into your uh, environment. Because everybody, we are a bank, the whole entire purpose of a bank, people put money into the bank is for security, right? In essence, it, it, it haunts the secure function capability. So it is important for us, from my perspective and from VP Bank's perspective, that we chase down this and make sure that we hone it and make it good and solid. The whole entire cycle of um, customer experience needs to be enhanced and rapidly do, do it. Same, we employ the same kind of methodology for our auto, auto loans, which we were successfully launched in, in January, you know, just before TED holidays. We, we, we went very quickly along those space and we, we kind of um, make sure that people 
get their loans, auto loans, electronically approved within five or 10 minutes. And this was our aim. And how do we do that? We also have to make sure that we continue to make sure that we have the right risk models, risk algorithms to ensure that we check properly. And at the same time, to make it a very seamless and secure platform for the people. So in number have your challenges in terms of legacies and, um, and also in terms of uh, on, on the regulatory front, uh, you, you need to be extra careful on the on security, on stability, and so on and so forth. Now, um, also to the point of, are you creating new value proposition, right? I want to kind of hear from a product perspective. Maybe we can hear from Mr. Upehe uh, uh, from Techcom Bank, uh, who said on payment solution in one of the areas where it's, um, you know, we also talk about payment uh, transformation, right? Uh, how to deliver payments uh, faster, cheaper, yeah, more efficient. When we talk about payments and 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 why and what we do, um, there are two ends which which really uh, fueled what what Techcom has been doing. Uh, one is uh, no points for guessing the customer. This is uh, one of the few markets, as as some of the other speakers also said, where you don't have to create the product and then convince the customer. The customer drives the product creation. Uh, it's a very young, very eager, very digital uh, population, and and it's already very demanding. You could. Uh, we are in fact sometimes a little behind what the customer wants so so that makes a job a little easy because because you know what the customer wants you just have to make it better and faster than the next guy okay, if you want to win market share the other end which is very interesting is the is that the board uh, is also equally aligned to, to driving the bank into the into the next decade and, and when i say align i mean they, they don't need to be convinced they are pushing us and everybody, the whole management, to take the bank to the next level, right? And um, and if that means upgrading yourself, fantastic. But if that means just chunking stuff and moving ahead, so even though you know we don't have the luxury of creating a new bank, we try to have as much fun as we can. So uh, you know, if if that means partnering with our friend Riddhi from Backbase uh, and trying to do something funky, then 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 so be it. Uh, and and you realize that that. That, that what you're trying to achieve when it comes to payments is actually invisibility. You, you want payments to just disappear. Customers don't want to do payments. Customers want what the product they want or the service they want. They don't want to go through the process of, of doing payments or OTP and they don't want that to be cool. Um, but it's your job to make sure that you make it as invisible or transparent, uh, yet maintaining the security that that, that is why uh, people come to banks. I think Mr. Wong said that very well. Um, we can't forget that. Uh, repeatedly, uh, no matter how much of new banking comes about and how much of open banking comes about, the one thing that stands out in customer demand continues to be they feel banks are safe. And uh, among other things, that's one, one reason why incumbents continue to perform well, I'm hoping, uh, provided they, they obviously catch up to the, to, the, to the newcomers in terms of technology and ease of banking. So a lot of innovation um, on that side from how we are allowing our customers to interact with us, to use us, um, uh, to move from banking to conversational banking to invisible banking. I think that is a path that, that, that we are following and we are somewhere perhaps 40% there. Um, but the way customers adopt, I think that's the best answer. It's a fantastic journey, the results that we are getting. Um, and, um, I hope that uh, next year we'll be here telling you about how we have clean sweep the market. Thank you, Mr. Upe. <laughs> and uh, 
or from your counterpart from from a, uh, from a digital uh, perspective uh, who is also looking after payments and customer uh, proposition uh, mr singh from uh, ubank uh, yeah. how are you creating new value proposition so i think uh, so we are the youngest uh, uh, kid on the block uh, we kind of started our journey sometime uh, in the middle of last year to set up a a new digital bank and as you said in our introduction that we are a you know a, a bank powered by fe credit and ndp bank uh, the key uh, you know so fe credit is uh, vietnam's biggest finance company it has got a share of more than 50% in terms of uh, uh, loan disbursed and uh, you know and share of around 80% plus when it comes to profitability share in the market and uh, so we have got uh, you know uh, close to uh, i would say uh, you know uh, 12 million odd customers even more than that uh, you know and we would like and these these customers right now are having a very transactional relationship with us they come here for a loan they take a loan and then they move away once the purpose has been solved but these are people who definitely have a banking need these are the people who who are banking uh, not with uh, not with us but definitely with someone else so the key purpose of having a u bank over here is that how do we take care of these uh, customers who are also taking a loan from us how can we really you know uh, give them a digital banking solution wherein the loan part and the banking are both married together very closely we are a finance company so our 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 target market segment is defined as as mass and and upper mass segments and in that very segment uh, you know as we are in the business of giving loans so we look out for people who are who are employed <laughs> or they have their own uh, business so it's basically uh, you know people who are uh, who are who are to a typically salaried or have got a fixed uh, source of uh, a well defined source of income so we are when we when we are looking at our strategy for you think we are very clear that you know uh, uh, you can't ask customers to make you know to to pay you for payments you know they they consider it to be free right now majority of the banks are giving propositions in the market which are absolutely no fee no charges nothing for payments credit card free debit card free everything free so where exactly and if you still have to make money then where exactly do you make money you know if everything is eventually being given free so it has to be uh, you know it has to be a, a a kind of a value add service and and the value add service that we are looking at over here to start with is is, is the lending proposition uh, then you know combined with uh, with 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 things which are primarily insurance especially uh, designed and targeted for for mass and uh, and upper mass segment and 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 this complete uh, package of uh, of uh, of a payroll banking solution combined with lending combined with uh, uh with with insurance all uh, three of them being delivered to the customer uh, digitally now uh, and and that's and and, and that is uh, you know uh, what we uh, what we intend to do over here it's kind of a good uh, setting for the next topic uh which is a uh, diving in depth about optimizing customer journey uh creating seamless uh, personalized experience Uh, as well as uh, onboarding right to the continuous uh, usage of financial services consumers today for example they are so used to uh, making purchases in the retail platform uh, which provide them the speed and when it goes into the banking services they are also expecting the same so 
we talk about you know EKYC uh, and even to execute EKYC, um, the bank must have the ability to extract information as fast as possible, whether the information is in uh, available nationally or in a database, so that they can do the EKYC as well as uh, being compliance with money laundering requirements. Uh, in the case of business, uh, it could be the TBML, which is trade-based money laundering. So uh, this, these are challenges, uh, you know, that banks will face in trying to uh, be comparable to the retail online stores. Uh, at the same time, also the traditional banks have to compete with the digital bank uh, that leverage on uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning to support the onboarding. So I think it's, it's kind of uh, uh, interesting uh, to hear from the, the banks. And uh, let's hear from Mr. Uh, Lee Le from MB Bank, how they are leveraging on artificial intelligence or EKYC to have a seamless onboarding of customers at the same time deliver uh, bespoke or personalized banking. For the customer with the EKYC, is it? Uh, have the customer onboard successful with the uh, video call or the, some other technology. So we, we provide them the beautiful account with the limit amount that's the fit with their requirement. For example, 300 million per month. So we, 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 we have the, some partnership to do the logistic. Uh, can get the document from the customer and have them to become the 100% actively with the full uh, limit uh, after that. So we, we call the two level for, for customer when they on board with us. I'm gonna ask a view of um, a digital only uh, uh, bank and uh, I'm gonna ask uh, Brian to make some comments on, on uh, how the onboarding process and how they use technology uh, coupled with whether biometrics and leveraging on uh, national data to onboard customers perhaps. We made a decision to build our own EKYC. Um, and we, that was a brave decision and one that did keep me awake at night. And the reason we did that was fundamentally EKYC is not just about AML. EKYC gave us an opportunity to harvest data, to look at behavior, um, and to also, for example, uh, sitting under EKYC, we have a behavioral security AI model, okay, which protects us, okay. But EKYC is hygiene, guys, in digital banking. We, I think we need to get over that now, guys. We have EKYC in Vietnam. It was really good by the SPV. But then we get on to customer experience. Um, in Tnex, we do believe a little bit the old misused uh, Bill Gates quote, people don't need banks, but they need banking. But let's change that. People don't need banks, but they need trusted banking. Okay, that's as we see what happened in the US and we see what happens with some of these FinTech companies. Nobody, and as said by one of, our, one, of, one of our esteemed speakers before, nobody has ever said, I want a loan from FE Credit or from VP Bank or from MSB Bank. What they've said is, I want a loan for, to support my family, fix my roof, pay the age of $3 million that needs to be paid per student every September so the kids can go to university. 
So we've built our whole customer experience around that second part. And we're very lucky because we are not, we don't have the need for RPA projects or, you know, because we don't have people, you know, digital doesn't have robotic process automated, doesn't need it. We don't have MDM because all our data is in one place. It's secure, it's encrypted, it, it's as it should be. But what we're concentrating is why do customers want us? And they don't want, they want a embedded, we call it, as you all know, embedded lifestyle or what we do, ecosystem. And every night we relearn every single customer's behavior. Um, and it's personalized even from the UX. But also on the merchant side, of course, we're two banks. We've also got a micro SME bank. But the customer experience for a micro SME is completely different. Uh, the reason that most, you know, 50% of all transactions done in Vietnam every day are from micro SMEs. You know, this is big business, so very important. But they want a completely different experience. They want more sales. So what we did with them was they can now target using our AI. We've given them all our tools. Customer experience for, for us is, is always personalized. And the challenge, of course, how do you get to that individual customer? How do you know that? How do you individually know a customer? And how you do that would be, is, is data. But it all comes down to behavior. Customer, everyone in our lives, 80% of what you do is emotional. Or in my wife's case, 100% when I'm around. So what, what you've got to do is know your customer through data, co-design with your customer, stop guessing. We co-designed everything with our customer, with university students, with merchants, uh, measure every day, measure in real time, take the feedback, and don't be afraid to be wrong because you're going to be wrong. Your CX is always going to be wrong. You're always going to be improving. In essence, I, I think to summarize it, using of uh, structured data, semi-structured data, unstructured data to contextualize banking so that you can have a personalized yeah, I think you know that. with this experience and we talk about ecosystem so I want to have the view of uh, really uh, in your opinion what can banks do better to support uh, SMEs and small businesses we all know that the SMEs and micro SMEs are operating in a very fragmented banking environment and it simply isn't serving them right on a day-to-day -day basis what we have seen is SMEs are tapping into a wide range of applications and services to meet their overall financial needs. They have something for banking, they have something for bookkeeping, they have something for payroll, something for reconciliation, payable, receivable, you name it, right? But they don't have that one platform or that one application through which they can do all of it. And who is best placed to solve this problem? Nobody like, but, you know, banks. And, and I personally believe the traditional incumbent banks that we have here today on the panel are probably very well suited to solve this problem because while they have a legacy, while they have, you know, while they are incumbents, but they also have that infrastructure, which they can build on top of it. Again, you know, I've, I've heard terms like, you know, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, some banks have this legacy because of which they have not been able to innovate. Some banks are starting from a clean slate. And, and you know, we are in a very unique position that we are working with different type of banks. So Kanishk mentioned we are working with Techcom Bank, which has legacy. We are working with Guneet also on Ubank, which is starting from a clean slate. We have worked with TP Bank. So we have, we have seen multiple types of experiences, right? But coming to SMEs, uh, I think one of the core tenets of serving the SME customer is to identify that how they can focus on growing their business while letting technology be with, with banks where the money is. And there are four key, four key things that you know, we would like banks to keep in mind when they're trying to service their SME and micro SME customers. The first thing is 
what are the services that the SME customers are using most often? You know, you don't you don't need to uh, you know reinvent the wheel for this. The basic things that SME customers are looking at is, can I do payments? Can I process my payroll and salaries? Can I do some form of uh, you know cash management and cash forecasting? And if required, again I'm saying if required, can I do a little bit of uh, cash flow forecasting and a little bit of things around account payables and receivables? That is the basics. Now, can you as a bank really digitize that and start solving that first problem? So that is the first thing that one probably needs to keep in mind. The second thing is prioritize the right technology. Obviously, technology is not the solution, but technology is always an enabler, and it has to be backed by a business, uh, you know, real business driver. But when I'm talking about prioritizing the right technology, when you're trying to solve a problem, you cannot really keep on adding layers on top of one layer trying to solve that one problem. And I will go back to my point about can one platform do all of it versus doing multiple versus doing one thing on through multiple platforms. So it's very important to identify and prioritize the right technology rather than going for short-term fixes that, okay, this can do EKYC, this can do AML, this can orchestrate the entire journey, but is there one platform that can do all of it, right? So that's the second thing. The third thing, and I think it's very, very important when it comes to SMEs, there are two parts to the wheel here. There is the SME customer, and then there is the internal bank employee. Now, quite often we focus a lot on the SME customers that the self-servicing part, but we also need to understand that in an SME or a corporate scenario, not all transactions are going to be straight through. There's going to be a lot of transactions which need the bank employees to intervene. How would their experience be from us an assisted servicing perspective? And that is very, very important. That is one of the places where the turnaround time for let's say some of these transactions can, can vary between one day to 14 days. And that is where the entire employee experience, the entire internal bank employee engagement also becomes very, very important. And then finally, my fourth point is, and it's not just relevant for SME, but for any sort of customers that you want to talk about, whether it's consumer, SME, corporate, or even private banking wealth, is that it is not just about doing something once. It is about how do you continuously deploy these improvements? How can you, you know, potentially look at release cycle of a fortnight so that you know you are not just stopping after six months or eight months or nine months, but every single month from there on, you are adding more and more and more onto the platform. So I think you know, uh, while the first three points were more focused on SME per se, the last point is more generic. But broadly, these are the trends that we have seen in the industry in the marketplace when we're talking about trying to service SME and micro SME customers. The next topic we are on is rethinking the world of collaboration using APIs and open banking, right? So the, the whole customer proposition now no longer is you know, uh, generated by the banks. It's not no longer about products or services. It's about needs, right? As uh, some of our panelists has you know, uh, alluded to, it's about what the customer wants and today, the, the customer is not seen as a single entity. It, they are right in the middle of an entire ecosystem. And uh, today, the ecosystem participants uh, can be your customers, right? Uh, 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 today, it is about not just B2C, not just the bank to the customer, but the bank to other uh, service provider is B2B2C, right? And creating the ecosystem, having the technology enablement to link and connect and share data, APIs, uh, which traditionally banks are very averse to doing, right? I'll never share my data. You know, I'm an incumbent bank. Why should I share my data with someone who wants to you know, uh, eat my lunch, so to speak, right? So, so, so this, but you know, uh, uh, in payments, 
more than anything, is where you get a lot of transactional data. You get so much understanding of where the customer has been and and, and to analyze his needs, right? So by by his shopping habits, yes. you, you know his life stage and everything, right? So, so I all go back to uh, 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 to uh, Kanesh, right? Uh, uh, Techcom Bank. Um, I, I guess payments is one of the areas where you're using APIs, creating uh, open banking to widen your ecosystem. How, how are you addressing that point? First, let me admit, banks are, are, are very protective about their data. Um, and, and I guess that's, that's been the traditional stance that we've had for some time. Um, but uh, I, I just want to also just take a step back and say, it's, it's not about a bank or an entity trying to solve everything by themselves. I think the ecosystem play works both ways. Uh, it is very important to, to, to partner up uh, for, for different needs, right? Everybody trying to build everything is just a whole waste of productivity at the end of the day. There are smaller, niftier entities doing such exciting stuff that you can plug in, you can borrow, um, you know, uh, uh, open banking, perhaps it's already here, but open data is definitely here. Uh, and, and, and you can, whether it's, whether, whether it's telecom, whether it's social media, uh, how we are EKYCing customers, but not just EKYCing, but credit scoring customers. I mean, we have, we have social media chat platforms giving credit scores um, and, and, and with very good Gini scores, very good KS scores. So uh, there, is, there is a whole ecosystem play and banks need to, banks, traditional or new, need to be very clear on what their strengths are and what their strengths are not. And, and, and perhaps not try too hard to try to make everything, but rather partner. So whether it's, a, it, whether it's a loyalty ecosystem that you want to partner with to solve that problem, uh, whether it's a payment ecosystem you want to you know, partner with. We have many uh, closed loop wallets and I think that leads to a lot of disintermediation. Uh, if you look at a lot of other countries, having one single national payment player or non-national, doesn't really matter, has, has, has unlocked so much of, of, of the economy. And, and I think that today or tomorrow, Vietnam is headed there, right? And it must. Uh, otherwise, everybody inventing these small pools which they own doesn't really help. Uh, it, and, and it's an absolute unproductive way of moving forward. Uh, now that I'm speaking about payments specifically, I think we need to have a uniform, open payment ecosystem where everybody can play in and customer doesn't have to look at the color of the QR code uh, and try to match mm -hmm. it to his own QR code. Am I the green guy or the yellow guy? I don't want to take names. Um, but, but be able to play the open. And then of course, the person who leads this is the person who gets the data. So that's still the, the, the domain of the guy who's willing to, to go in and do the acceptance issuance. But the point is that, that when you connect everybody together, that's when a customer base is able to perfectly flow and money is able to flow back and forth. That's one of the things we learned in payments. But payments is how you get customers in, how you make their life easy. Our scorecards are now driven by the behavior of customer. Uh, we are able to customize offers, uh, maybe maybe not at, at, a, at a segment of one level, like, like Brian said, he can, we're not there yet, uh, but, but definitely we, we can sharpen it to, to quite small cohorts, at least we are there already. Uh, and, and that's what's required, but it only happens when, 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 when unification comes in. Uh, and for a bank to say that is not easy because banks love moats and they love gates. 
uh, but I think when you look, when you take a larger perspective and a, and a national perspective, this thing only works when everybody comes together, uh, either under our own ages or the ages of the of the of the regulator. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but that's that's the next big unlock that that has to happen for everybody's sake. Uh, as an industry, how are we moving towards open banking and, and digital ecosystem, uh, Mr. Wong, uh, Bank, if we can, yeah, get your perspective. And then maybe after that, uh, from TP Banks, uh, Mr. Chen as well. To be frank, you know, honest, because of the tight competition between the different different organizations and stuff like that, it's still a ways more to go for us to pull together and collectively come together to form these uh, nationalistic uh, payment structure, you know, uh, that uh, we are so used to uh, in the other economies, uh, et cetera. For now, I think uh, a lot of us, uh, even within VP Bank itself, we are looking at uh, creating this platform of our own, you know, tapping our own internal ecosystems as well to leverage against uh, some of the key critical uh, like SMEs across down to the customer base, et cetera, et cetera. As a result, one of our strategies also uh, like what uh, you guys already probably know, uh, we, we spin off uh, digital banks, you know, through our we group through UBank and stuff like that. And, and this is actually to create our own and enlarge ecosystem to, for us to uh, kind of like uh, envisage and, and pull them all together, you know, collectively, and then provide that services among our, our systems and, and, and our subsidiaries. At the same time, share the data, you know, understand how do we provide that uh, edge to these people. Once we, we are able to go the open API mechanism capability, the connectivity and stuff like that, it, it doesn't prevent us from uh, opening up this to a greater, a greater group of people and, and even pluck ourselves into the nationalistic, uh, what you call uh, payment system whether it's NAPAS or whatever not, we are able to get into it. And then as a result, enable a larger pool of people to cross-reference and to cross do cross-payments across different different uh, customers who, who may have their own uh, preference to a particular bank, you know? And, and therefore, as a result, um, it then helps us to then generate that capability within Vietnam. And that's how I, I, I think going forward, uh, that would be some ways to go, but it is also a start. I'm sure the other banks uh, and my esteemed colleagues would, would also be thinking along some of these lines where they will be building some within their own ecosystems and stuff like that. At some point, we will be able to come and cross bridge and, 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 and kind of uh, uh, pluck ourselves together as long as we are adding value to our customers. An interesting strategy that BP Bank has taken in terms of uh, creating different proposition or, or, or different you know, units looking at different proposition and creating kind of internal ecosystem around right. that. Um, just maybe one one more perspective from uh, TP Bank, uh, Mr. Chen, on, on how you see uh, the industry coming together on open banking. And of course, open banking is something at uh, you know, in different markets is a, is a national kind of policy directed uh, uh, initiative. Just mentioned uh, in the past, right, the bank type protected, right? Not like share the data, uh, afraid of losing some data or even customer, right? So, but now the digital trend already puts the bank to open. And then to do digital banking and digital transformation, the digital partnership is critical. So right now we see each of us here, right? We connect, uh, we, we connect with 
different partner, uh, whether it's fintech or non-fintech or even uh, some uh, other partner in the whole customer consumer journey, whether even you are going to the e-commerce uh, website, right? So, so that's why the open API has been able to uh, allow us to do a lot of connection, build a, a whole ecosystem. But if uh, from here moving to open banking, I think it's still a, a, way, a long step. Uh, but I think um, some direction has been um, kind of uh, has some um, signal there uh, in terms of, um, I think, uh, in our discussion uh, in, the, in the market, uh, people talk about agent banking. So agent banking, I think, is is very first concept in terms of like you open to uh, outside of the ecosystem, but in a more like offline one. I have to talk offline on it. And then if that platform or that regulation allow us to do something like agent banking, I think it's, it's very quickly to move from there to open banking, where the, the whole banking um, business can be exposed or, or shared with other partners. And then I think by that time, we definitely will see a much better uh, close, uh, very well-working kind of ecosystem. It's not just a closed loop ecosystem in some of the banks are doing right now, but it's more open one. And then I think that would be a big benefit for the whole market and also uh, definitely to the consumer. Uh, a, lot, a lot of things we can see there, better customer experience, less transition cost. I think, uh, I think you will see a lot of improvement there. But I believe that um, the direction has been somewhere uh, in terms of from the Asian banking perspective. And then uh, we see it move uh, very fast because all this digital transformation. There are many um, lessons that we can draw from other markets that have kind of uh, gone along that path. Uh, really, uh, given your regional role, you, you see a lot of developments, initiatives in different markets, uh, uh, best practices that you observe. Um, what can uh, the banks in Vietnam learn from that? I'll probably take an example of uh, another bank without naming them that we work with for quite some time. We have been working with them for almost five years now in, in the Philippines. Okay? And it's a, it's a traditional incumbent bank. It's in fact the oldest bank in Southeast Asia. And, and this bank, I think where they, they were facing the same set of challenges that I heard from some of the traditional incumbent banks on the panel today is you know, the legacy, the siloed architecture, uh, the, the monolithic architecture, so on and so forth. So this bank, what they did, and, and I must, uh, you know, must give uh, complete kudos to them, is that they said that first we have to get the basics right. And for them, the getting the basics right was about uh, start investing in platforms. The bank knew back then, or the bank thought about it back then, that platforms are the way forward, and they would like to invest in platforms through which they can, they can you know, do the land and expand strategy that you start on one customer journey, but on the same platform, on the same building block with the, with the concepts of reusability, how do you extend that, that, that one journey to more journeys, not only in one line of business, but across lines of businesses. So they started with very simple journeys, right? Uh, journeys around payments, which is as, as Kanish was mentioning, uh, commodity, you need to move towards the invisible space on payments. So they started on journeys like payments, but today, as you, if you look at them, they have moved from payments. They have gone all the way to obviously digital onboarding. They have gone uh, to, uh, I think Gunit was talking about insurance. So they are doing insurance on the platform. They're doing trading on the platform. They are, they are doing a lot of cross-sell to the extent they are also onboarding wealth management customers using the same credential within the same ecosystem. So I, I think that the, you know, just to keep my answer short and, and crisp is that what we are seeing uh, in Asia, in other markets, as well as uh, other parts of the world is that more progressive banks 
are not looking at digital transformation as siloed uh, experiments that, <clears throat> that you know, I want to give my customers a good experience on a mobile app. That's not digital transformation. Uh, digital transformation for us is where banks are saying, okay, let's go one level below the, the experience. Let's start thinking about the engagement. Uh, Brian was talking so much about data, and I think that is very, very pertinent, is that as platforms, as banks, we have so much data. Are we doing enough with the data? Are we doing enough with the data to, uh, you know, to, to literally drive the engagement, to literally drive the experience? And that is where I think banks in Vietnam also starts need to, you know, uh, needs to start focusing on, which is to drive the customer engagement, drive the customer experience uh, uh, through the platform, rather than just looking at these individual channels as silos or as experiments, as, as you might want to say. I want to thank all our panelists for your you know, very in-depth uh, and uh, often very passionate uh, uh, comments. Uh, um, we, we have you know, uh, wider topics to, to cover, but you know, time doesn't permit us, but we, we, will, we will end the dialogue here. Uh, but you know, the, this digital journey that the banks in Vietnam are on, it, 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 it is right at the start. And from the different perspective that we hear, um, there are uh, a fair amount of challenges that the industry faces uh, still. Uh, uh, whether you are on a full full blown transformation, or you know, as uh, Brian mentioned, or, or just optimizing uh, um, technology today, uh, are you creating new value proposition, and how are you creating um, an ecosystem uh, with uh, technology to best uh, uh, leverage all the data that you have, the very useful data that you have. Uh, but we are seeing uh, so many exciting initiatives being, uh, being introduced uh, with the digital banks. Uh, you, you are doing different uh, exciting things um, that will move this whole uh, digital uh, endeavor forward. Uh, and it's something that will continue to to track, I'm sure this is not um, you know, the end of this conversation, it's only the beginning. And we hope to come back and uh, have an update of this uh, as we go. I want to thank all the panelists and guests uh, for their uh, sharing, their contributions, their thought leadership, uh, you know, uh, as well as uh, sharing some of the uh, things they are doing, uh, both the traditional banks and the non-traditional and the challenges they face. So I think uh, we have all benefited much from this exchange of views, sharing our experiences, uh, as well as uh, thought-provoking uh, ideas. Thank you for listening to Radio Finance. For more content, visit the Asian Banker website and follow us on social media.